welcome to Incremental's infamous podcast show, Podrick the Podcast. Today's episode features Radostina Jakova from Jam City. Rado is already a superstar in our podcast series, and you can listen to previous episodes recorded with her. We love talking with her about trends and opinions. The episode today is part of our Orchestrating Measurement series, where we follow up on the white paper we've recently published, speaking with industry veterans and thought leaders about how to measure marketing in today's convoluted world. This episode is hosted by myself, Hadar Telem, and Maur Sadra. But we, before we dive into this exciting discussion, make sure you're subscribed to our podcast so you never miss an episode. We have a wealth of knowledge, insights, and inspiration lined up for you. So, without further ado, let's start the interview about Measurement Orchestra with Radostina. Please be aware that the opinions shared in this podcast are the speaker's own opinions and do not represent the opinions of Jam City. How are you? Hi, Maur. Good. Thanks for having me at the podcast. Nice You're to have you. You are a superstar guest. This is the third or fourth, I don't know, and it's nice to see you again. Your hair got super long. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm taking some uh, magnesium. <laughs> okay. <laughs> really for helps. the audience to know, like... Uh, yeah, we don't use video, so yeah. Rodestina's hair is longer than it was previously when we spoke. Yeah, and we'll share a coupon for magnesium later on. Yeah, <laughs> of course, 10% discount. <laughs> uh, Rodestina, would you mind introducing yourself for the sake of the listeners? Yeah, of course. Um, so I am Rodestina Jekova. Um, I work in uh, UA uh, for some time now. I'm part of the UA team of Jam City uh, for the second time. I've been with the team for around... Almost will be soon three years. Uh, overall, my experience started at Uplift uh, back in the day, 2016. So um, I've worked uh, on the vendor side for some time, and then I moved to the advertiser side. Uh, I've been part of, as I mentioned, Jam City team and also Voodoo's team, um, part of the hybrid, hybrid casual uh, 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 like, yeah, team um, back in like a year ago. Um, and that's, yeah, that's pretty much it. So I'm just, uh, what I'm doing is uh, marketing and games. Actually, a quick question. What is the definition of hybrid in hybrid casual? I know hyper casual, I know casual. Is that the hybrid part? So the hybrid, uh, it's like, I think it's be- became a buzzword, um, uh, recently a lot of uh, people were talking about it. Um, the way I see it at least is that. You have a game that monetizes on a hybrid way so you have a equally big share of um, IAP revenue uh, along with ad revenue and I think that's the hardest part when you have a high hyper casual game that is 90% ad revenue to sh- to grow the IAP revenue and the other way around when you have a game that is purely monetizing on IAP to grow uh, the ad revenue because then you most likely will be sacrificing um you some of your um, loyal user base. Okay, makes sense. Thank you for explaining it, by the way. And for the sake of the listeners who don't understand, UA stands for? 
use acquisition. <laughs> but I'm like, I really doubt that anyone listening to your podcast wants to know what's your way. <laughs> we we got we got a feedback actually. We got a feedback from one of the listeners a couple of days ago saying that like we should like disentangle some of the acronyms. Makes yeah, sense. I don't think he meant UA specifically, yeah, but, but you know we might as well small. go all the way. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's true. okay. So basically, you at Jam City, or in general, from your experience, uh, have worked with games that also have like known IP or intellectual property, <laughs> um, such as Harry Potter. Um, so. How different is it for you or kind of from your experience to market <clears throat> games that have a known IP versus those who have not known IPs or like that you have to start from scratch? Yeah, at Jamsi, we do have, I think that's one of, uh, that's our bread and butter working with big IPs because we do have Harry Potter, we have uh, Disney, we have um, Jurassic World, uh, Universals. We recently launched DC games of many different IPs. Uh, I'm, I'm working uh, on the Disney game that we have in Moji Blitz for more than a year now. And uh, yeah, one of the main, main things and something that will just comes to mind uh, instantly is that you need to have approval from the licensor for everything basically you do. Uh, on the creative side, there is not that much freedom because um, you need to follow some uh, brand uh, guidelines. And also this makes the whole process of testing or if you want to hop on certain trend, let's say on TikTok, um, you, you basically can't or you need like you will be always late to the party because you need to uh, produce and then wait for approval, which is up to, let's say, 10 business days. And then get, um, and if it doesn't get approved, then you need to rework it, submit it for another approval again. And then finally, when you have the approved version of your creatives, you could potentially launch and uh, and test and see how these do. So that's one of the main things, um, uh, but also has, it has a lot of advent, uh, advantages, obviously. Uh, a strong brand, just you leverage the, the synergies between the, the, the brand because uh, it's already developed. It has a lot of trust. People know it. So it's easier for people to trust and download and convert um, and just, um, yeah, uh, believe in, in that this is a legit uh, brand in a way. Actually, like a related question. So let's take a, one of the one of the IPs. So Harry Potter, for example, and pretty well known IP. Um, and like, are the audience mostly Harry Potter fans, or are the audience gamers who like Harry Potter is just, I would say, a plus or not necessarily the most relevant part of them engaging with the product? So the core audience will be Harry Potter fans. For sure, like the 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 audience that would stay long in the game, the community that will be engaged with the game, uh, will be sharing opinions about any new features, or will be very active. These are uh, uh, Harry Potter fans for sure. That's the same case with the, the with Disney and Moji Blitz. We have fans that uh, Disney fans um, and a bit older audience, so they have this like Disney nostalgia. Uh, from the old times, um, classic Disney uh, movies. Are and you, are you referring most... to me, basically? Um, me as well, <laughs> by the way. I'm okay. also, 
I'm also in that group. So well, let's say we're in one boat, in the same boat. And how do you factor real world events related to the IP in your marketing plan, especially again, take, take Harry Potter is an amazing example. There yeah. are constant new Harry Potter things happening and those probably have an impact over performance. We know it because uh, we spoke last week with Omer. Omer is uh, with Play Studios and they have the Tetris IP. And mm -hmm. when the Tetris movie came out with Apple TV, it had a massive impact on their marketing performance. Um, now that's that's a one-off with Harry Potter. There's always stuff happening. How do you factor it in? Yeah, that's like that's uh, sometimes could be going back to the first question, though when it comes to the difference when you are uh, marketing IP game, that sometimes could be like a benefit because you could uh, benefit a hello effect of something else happening that is around that brand and a brand and it's basically impacting your product in a positive way because you're just getting some of the bus and like the the marketing share without doing that much uh, of the heavy lifting um for harry potter for instance we 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 did see increase in um in installs and in performance around the time when the hogwarts legacy was released so that was something that when you mentioned like factoring in it's it's hard to really like measure it but what we try to focus is to maximize the the impact of it so uh, we would just plan our budget budgets uh, around these events and hope that we will get um, better results it's the same with the disney uh, we we see that for instance when there is a new disney movie release that when they hit the, the theaters we don't necessarily have any impact or big impact on the game but when this movie gets into disney plus then is when we actually see big interest um in the game itself so we wait for the moment of like when the the movie will go to disney plus because that really is important for us so we're just trying to understand what are the events that um could potentially bring us good synergy and plan our budget and marketing strategy around that and, but of course, that's that's a hard part. Like that's hard. There's some things we know from experience, but there are always some wild cards that we just can't estimate, or we underestimate some event, and it turns out to be bigger. At the end of the day, it's 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 hard to really know for sure which one will be good and which one will bet. And basically, how do you take um, like left click attribution into all of this? Because like, you know that a lot of those things are like uh, brand related or IP related um, behavior of the users could be mostly organic. So do you actually believed or believe like believe right now or believed in the past in kind of last click attribution in any case? Yeah, well, the, this is how we go about it. Like last click attribution is how we measure things. So we, we do, we, we use an MMP, so everything goes through the MMP in a way, and that's how we look at the performance. But we do try to like understand when there are some peaks, when let's say installs raise us eCPI, like we look at blended level eCPIs, blended uh, ROAS, when things go up and down and we, we do connect it with uh, real life events and try to understand it, but it's super hard to exactly measure how much of this event contributed. We could say, yes, this event really helped us, 
um, lower the CPIs and increase the, the ROAS. But by how much, we we can't really tell. I mean, it will be, uh, because there it's not just this event. There are also a lot of life uh, ops events within the game. There are also other things that are happening. So it's often many different factors that go into the channel or like the marketing mix. And it's really hard to just pinpoint one of them. Um, so yeah, we just try to keep keep an eye <laughs> on the on the overall like numbers blended. And when we look at the post ATT era, um, like what we see is we see a lot of companies who basically understood that hey, we can't really target users that well anymore. Yeah. Okay. And we see a lot of companies using this as an opportunity and going to brand marketing like TV influencers, events, stuff like that. Um, A, do you see the same? And B, are you really feeling the difference in the performance you're seeing as a result of like these new medias? Yeah, so that's that's an interesting one. I, for in my opinion, whether you have an IP or not, the, the fact that we lost the IDFA is is equal for all of us. We we as UI managers uh, on our day to day basis don't have the granular the same granularity, and we can't do the same optimizations. And the fact that some marketing channels fell out of the marketing mix or decreased their share because of all this that happened is the same for all of us. Um, of course, there are exceptions, but we're kind of facing the same thing. But then if you have a strong IP, I believe that then you have the opportunity to expand to branding it more easy um, and potentially make it into a performative channel for you. Or if you have a strong IP with a strong game, then you could allow to also have a, a certain branding on top to help you with the overall blended numbers. And that's what we've been seeing in, in the industry, I think. Um, and a lot of now, now a lot of companies from what I know are testing the influencers. That's um that's a, uh, was an interesting uh, area. Um connected TV, linear uh, TV as well. A lot of uh, companies are also just trying to build their brand and using celebrities or like just famous people in their in their advertising. Um, but I don't think that this whole was um, a consequence of the IDFA or the ATT going away. I think this was for some companies already before that happening but maybe on a smaller scale. And I, I, the way I see it is that just now the, the risk, like the appetite for risk increased just because we anyways are not really sure what's going on. So from the exec's point of view, they're more willing to allocate sources to these channels. They're more like willing to take the risk and see, oh, maybe this would work or maybe not. Because um, now it's this shift towards looking at marketing on more holistic uh, appetite for risk is that a you heard it somewhere or is this a Rodestina trademark <laughs> it's not my trademark for sure <laughs> okay. I really like that I really like that appetite for risk it makes a lot of sense actually it's a um, um, it, it crystallizes the current state of things for marketing I think yeah I think so too I think this is how this is what's the main thing that's maybe uh driving 
some of the experiments and tests that are going on in our space. Yeah, we're kind of going back to kind of uh, this appetite for risk kind of brings back um, kind of old methods of uh, marketing uh, that are now kind of more used or like in the new world can be both utilize like influencers uh, that are they were always there, but it's kind of also uh, renewed uh, TV campaigns, linear TV, connected TV. All of these are kind of the new world and uh, those channels that are reborn, being reborn uh, post ATT with this increased appetite for risk because uh, basically companies realize that they have to diverse uh, in order to see results. And if they don't see results in re- measurement, why not just try to see what brings lift to the overall traffic? So I think this is kind of uh, a good phrasing with a, with a good context. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, th- exactly what I wanted to say. So thank you for summarizing in that. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. So uh, Gem City uh, has always been in kind of the forefront of the technology when it comes to UA uh, and has been using advanced methodologies for measurement. So Basically, what is your go-to methodology for kind of different testings for like creative testing or for new channels testing or for general budget planning? I know it's a lot, but we can cover one by one. Um, Yeah, so starting with the creative testing, I think that's pretty much dependent on how um, is your UA mix looking. So if you're spending a lot of like, or big percentage uh, percent of your marketing budget to a certain channel of course like it makes sense to to owe your testing there um and the way i see it that it's changed over time and i i believe it's not just for us but also most likely for other companies is that um before or there was a period of time where everyone will go very scientific about it and they will try to a b test split the audience be not having any overlap in the audiences, have statistical significance for each creative and really try to, yeah, just be super picky about the creatives that they would um, move further in their testing phase. Um, We also had a certain, uh, the same period uh, when we were like testing creatives for very extended period of time going over like different uh, phases of creative testing. Now I see, I think, and I've seen it also on other companies, it's more of a more simple way of testing creatives and relying more on the algorithms to just pick the the creatives that most likely will perform um, the best. And this is maybe the hyper casual or hybrid casual approach that got uh, adopted by a lot of casual companies as well. But also it's because of the, changes in the in the marketing mix and by that i mean that before a lot of companies were spending a lot of money on facebook and i don't think that's the case i mean of course there are some that are still spending but on average the share of facebook uh seems that it decreased so now people are just being a bit more again maybe going back to the appetite for risk just throwing the creatives and see what happens um as, as a strategy in a way um, we do also do, of course, like some testing, but we are also willing to just roll the creatives in and see if they will uh, do well in, in a competitive real life environment. 
Um, so that's that's the, that. These are the main things that change around the creative testing for us, and I think for the others as well. And how do you kind of approach new channels or generally budget allocation? Has that changed or? Uh, that hasn't changed that much. I think for new channels, we're still just yeah open to to test whenever there is an interesting business proposition, uh, interesting offering. Uh, the main goal for us is to be uh, to diversify our channel mix as much as possible. But of course, as um, my colleagues say, sometimes the juice is not worth squeezing. So if there is not enough of potential for scale, it's it's there's little incentive for us to try to test the channel. We don't want to add yet another channel that we need to take care. It's um, it's it's more of a of the potential that we see. Um, but normally just same strategy, working very closely with them, understanding their needs, making sure that they're set up for success. I think that's very important when it comes to technical um, parts, uh, tracking, creatives, minimum, minimum budgets, everything, um, pause bags, whatever you can think of. So they have the best chances to, to, to show what, what they could do in terms of performance. And for the budget planning, uh, we do have our uh, own in-house solution that is allocating our budgets on a monthly basis that's been developed by the data science team. Um, and it's in a way it's focused on maximizing our return on um, ad spend, ROAS, OP ROAS predicted uh, return on ad spend. And um, it runs out automatically and allocates the budget across the different channel on a monthly basis. And it's a combination of our inputs as UA um, managers, because of course we do have our uh, testings for the month. We want to have different experimentation. So we add these to, uh, to the mix and then um, what's uh, left from the budget, it's basically allocated automatically. Yeah, I think it's a very good practice, by the way, like just to have like this um, algorithm-based uh, methodology of trying to maximize ROAS and then add the kind of business domain knowledge on top of that to always kind of improve uh, the budget allocation. So I think you're kind of uh, pretty advanced as it sounds, and it looks like a right approach in, in my opinion. <laughs> Are there any channels rather that um, like you would want to test? You don't have to name those, but maybe give examples or other channels you would like to test, but because of the AP, you can't really, or you know, Liga will likely say no go? Uh, we normally can test basically everything, of course, as long as it's brand safe. So I'm not going to name like, Areas that might not be brand safe, but like say adult content. Okay, I think that's safe to to name. This is something we, uh, we can't test because it's not brand safe for us. Um, and to be honest, I don't really have appetite for testing this. But um, other channels that are more maybe easier for others to test in a way and a bit more difficult for us uh, that I could mention are influencers because we need I was to thinking. each of influencer needs to be approved. Uh, and then uh, you need to have the concept, the brief approved uh, additionally. Uh, and once they deliver the content, it needs to go through another approval. So we are talking about two to three rounds of approval, um, which makes it very, uh, a very um, lengthy and, and uh, difficult process to handle. Uh, 
uh, with influencers. And um, that's why at the moment we're not really exploring this as an option. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Because I'm assuming that, again, to approve an influencer, someone would likely need to sit and watch through all of their videos to see if they are brand safe. Yeah, so first, if we were working with with an agency, um, so let's say the agent, the people from the agency look at the all the content that the influencer created, and um, then we need to look as well. Like I need to look, or some of my colleagues also need to to have a look to make sure that they have not um, um, missed ever, anything. And then we send it to Disney, and someone. Disney looks at it and often you might not see anything but by, but by the time it reaches Disney they might release something that's not okay anymore so it's um it's a hard process to manage yeah interesting um wow and by the way off topic and we didn't um prepare but what about AI influencers like people are starting to develop like AI influencers and they're becoming celebrities they have followers and it's obviously within your control yeah that's a little bit uh i guess uh advanced and innovative still we haven't really explored that as an option we are very cautious with ai uh of course we we are aware of it we're looking into it there are a lot of different tools but there are also a lot of legal complication around that and yeah. privacy matters so we're just going a bit slow in that direction when it comes yeah, you know to we work we work with a company who who is a very very well-known global gaming ip and they said that they would love to use ai uh to you know creative ideas and their legal team basically tells them no effing way <laughs> it's like yeah 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 it's it's you still don't know so it's better to stay out of it than just go into it but i know I've, sp I've spoken with other UA people and uh, from different companies that are working with their own IPs and they do use it yeah. a lot and they, they use a lot for st static creatives. Uh, I think the, the paid version of ChatGPT could, could do that. Um, and they say that they're say seeing really good results. Yeah, we use it for, we use Me Journey for some website art and we just did like a Christmas postcard. We use web um, Me Journey. It's amazing yeah i think as long as you use it like for internally and you audit it yourself and you kind of make sure that there is no weird content and the ip is of course yours then you can do whatever and you can use it but if we are talking about ai marketing channels that if exist then i think this is more complicated if they control everything and they oh it's all ai operated and you don't control the human factor that kind of makes sure that everything makes sense not at this stage i believe but we will probably get there sometime yeah. soon. I, I was about to ask you do you do you think we'll get there because that's that's I think the one of the biggest discussion around is uh, AI stealing our job but that's another whole topic. I don't think it'll be stealing anyone's job I think it will be like just um, accelerating yeah enhancing it um, like think of like a, I don't know have a bionic brain that's pretty cool yeah yeah I, I guess most likely it will maybe some will some job positions or titles will disappear but then others will appear as with everything so be interesting to see but so far yeah we're just staying away um i mean we're just slow like very slowly going in that direction 
Now we're talking about, uh, at least uh, before we started the recording, we're talking about winter and the fact that it's like minus two in Berlin right now and tomorrow I'll be in Helsinki where it's minus 21. Um, but spring is going to be coming. And with spring, uh, we're going to have privacy manifest from Apple. We're going to have Google privacy sandbox and Android privacy sandbox and all these fun stuff. Um, how and are you prepared for these uh, changes coming? I mean, I think like everyone else, not prepared yet. <laughs> I mean, thank you for the honesty. <laughs> I think I've, I, I, if we look at uh, iOS, how iOS uh, 14.5 happened and what happened, no one was prepared. Seems that some people are still not prepared um, and not really use, uh, making a good use of scan <clears throat> and data. Uh, so in that sense, I mean, on iOS side, we are very much advanced on 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 working with scan. We we have our, uh, we we could do our own predictions on uh, based on scan data. Um, we are also doing some testing around uh, scan four point uh, We were ready to do that in the beginning of the year, but no one else <laughs> in uh, yeah. on like everything website. else. Like the partners didn't move, so you couldn't move. So yeah. Yeah, so it's like, I think sometimes in the industry, there's a certain urgency that's created around something that's that's happening. But then with us, with the same with Scan 4.0, you needed to have a certain adoption rate of the um, OS, I think it was 16 something uh, OS version. Um, that did not happen overnight, uh, apparently. And then the majority of the vendors were not ready to, to test that. So even if you're already and willing you still need to wait and for sandbox i think i honestly um think it's gonna come in the second half of next year but let's see because it seems that they were they already started doing some tests and they will continue doing tests i think in q1 and q2 for sure they maybe open this test for to broader audience uh but i don't think they'll roll this out in q1 unless there is some information that i'm not aware no, not q1 but q2 yeah spring okay i think that it will be even later but let's see maybe i'm wrong um i'm for, with you for... on that by the way <laughs> i think it will be probably q3 or something like that but who knows yeah i also think it's going to be maybe q q3 yeah or q4 but q4 maybe it's not a good but maybe q3 but is there any like preparations that you can do before or that you're thinking of doing um yeah i think like for 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 us what's important is to in that case to work uh, closely with with google um and just um uh, be part of their tests um like they, they have some like initial tests that they did with us i think with a smaller group of advertisers they will be opening them so that's that's uh one like the way we normally would do and just uh understand um how this this whole thing works and and how how uh, this will change our reporting and um, like all the all the all the changes that will come with us uh, with with it. So for us to prepare will be mainly uh, testing, being part of the early tests. Hopefully, we'll wait and see. <laughs> um, yeah. Cool. So we are at the end of the podcast episode and we wanted to ask you a fun question so this is basically followed up by our white paper about marketing orchestration so our fun question is what instrument would you be playing if you were in an orchestra 
Oh, wow. I think piano. Piano is a good choice. Yeah, I used to have a really small one when I was a kid, like a tiny one. And um, I was trying to play it on my own uh, and learn some very basic uh, tunes. So this now, as you, as you asked me, this really reminded me of that time. So definitely piano. Oh, <laughs> like to hear you. <laughs> it's never too late. It's never too late. <laughs> Well, thank um, you so much for joining us, Rather, It was a, a true pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Um, it was a, um, a, a nice, interesting topic, at least for me, to, to go over for, to IP or not IP. <laughs> um, and it's um, really nice to be uh, again in the, on the podcast. Um, so wishing you like a good end of the year because it's almost... That Thank time, you. yeah. We're gonna are we gonna see you in London or in Barcelona, PG Connect or Games Forum? Hopefully both. Like hopefully I'll be at Games Forum in Barcelona next year, um, maybe as a speaker, um, and then uh, I'm also hoping to be at the UI Society in London at the end of the year, next year. Cool. So in Barcelona, you and Hadar can uh, trade notes. I think Hadar is also going to be a speaker there. Oh, nice. <laughs> For power. Yeah, yeah. Power. <laughs> I'm also looking. <laughs> cool. So thank you very much and Merry Christmas as well. Thank you.